How's everybody feeling right now? Everyone feeling good? I hope you're feeling encouraged. Let me get my notes up here. Hey, uh, I'm so excited about today. Easter is the reason we do what we do. Everything changed on Easter. I feel like I'm about to go through the stage right now. By the way, if I do, don't be alarmed. I got insurance, okay? Uh, but I, I love Easter. I love celebrating Easter. I love seeing people come in and like people wearing different I mean, Ryan back here running the lyrics. My man looked like a mountain man yesterday. He's all shaved. Got a three-piece suit on. Mr. Sam, where's Sam? Is he in here? He came in a pink blazer. And I'm in a denim jacket and a t-shirt. So, sorry, I, I didn't dress up. I don't have nice clothes, really. I don't, I don't like to dress up. But y'all look great. I love it. I love seeing new faces on Easter. And uh, I love getting to celebrate Easter together. And I, get to, I love that we're about to go get some lunch after this. I'm excited about that. It's going to probably be some Mexican, if I know us as well as I think we do. Uh, but I'm super excited you're here today. My name's Clint. Again, if I haven't met you, uh, I tried to meet every new person that comes in, but if I didn't get a chance to, my name is Clint, and uh, we started this church during the pandemic. We're crazy, but somehow we made it, and uh, we're here, and I'm so ex- I, I never take it for granted being in the same room with people, and I'm glad that we get to do that with you today. Uh, but I want to share with you a message today that I hope will encourage you. I told you our goal is to, I don't want you to leave here feeling discouraged. I want you to feel encouraged, okay? So I want everyone, really quick, before we get started, we're not praying, all right, nothing weird's going to happen but I want you to just close your eyes. All right, everyone close your eyes. And I want you to think of the best news you've ever received in your entire life. All right, think about how it felt when you heard the news. Think about who shared the news with you. Think about what their face looked like whenever they were sharing that news. How did it change your life? How did that news change your life? Did it change your life? Think about what your life looks like now after that news was shared with you. Think about it. How do you feel right now, right? Like, think, pay attention to that, right? Like, good news is amazing. All right, open up your eyes, everybody. How many of you are in a little, a little bit better mood? You got to think about, like, the best news ever. I know for us, like, I remember hearing uh, the first time we, we were pregnant, like, and we were having a kid. Like, that was amazing news to get. That was amazing news to share with people. Uh, maybe for you, it was that time you got your dream home. Like, you were, like, everybody else around here, and you were putting an offer on a house, and you were like, man, this house would be great, but there's seven million people looking for the same house. Like, and maybe you found out, you got the house. Maybe you found out, man, you got a scan done at the doctor and it came back clear. Uh, maybe for you, man, you found out you were pregnant, right? And like, man, how awesome is that? Uh, maybe for you, you found out, man, I got that promotion. And that means I get that bonus and I get the raise, right? Like maybe that was something. Maybe you found out that that person in middle school that you really liked, right? Liked you back and their friend came and told you like, hey, I like them too. And that was the best news ever. I don't know what your good news was, but we've all heard good news. But I also know that we've all heard bad news. How many people have ever received bad news before? Come on, I ain't the only one. I'm going to tell you a story right now of some of the worst news I've ever received. And uh, it happened on Christmas Day. And let me tell you, this is not a good time to find out bad news on Christmas Day. And I remember I was young. I was probably six five, six, seven years old. I was really young. And uh, this was the time in our lives where people were starting to get computers in their home. Do y'all remember this? Those of you that were millennials like me, like you remember there were times where like you would have a, your friend, your rich friends would have a computer at their house, but you didn't have one at your house. That's how it was at my house. And so I would go over to other people's house and I'd play Minesweeper. I have no idea how to play Minesweeper, but I would play, I'd play solitaire. I would see the little windows icon, right? Like it was so cool. And it was, gigantic. It was like the size of the speaker thing right here. And it was huge. And I remember 
at begging our parents, like, please, get us, we need a computer. Come on, please, this has to be the year. Everyone else has a computer, Dad. Like, come on, we need a computer. And I remember we begged and begged and begged and begged. And finally, we came home from school one day, and there was a huge box under the tree. And I'm like, this is it, boys. Like, I looked at my brother, Alex. I'm like, Alex, we get in a computer. It's only a matter of time. We're going to be doing, I don't even know what to do on a computer, but we're going to do something on there, right? Like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And so Christmas Day rolls around. The, the tree starts to fill up with other presents. And this one's like tucked away in the back behind the tree. And on Christmas Day, my brother and I agree, like, all right, we're going to open this one last because this is, the, this is the big one. It doesn't matter what else we get, this is the one. And so we're gonna wait to the end and we're gonna open it last. My mom and dad are in here mortified, even right now as we're sharing the story. So we all of a sudden, we get to the present. We're in our PJs, there's wrapping paper everywhere, right? And so all of a sudden, we start tearing open this box or this, the wrapping paper. And you know, like when you, like kids will tear the wrapping paper and then they see what's on the box and then they freak out because they can see what the present is. I tear this open, my brother and I do, and there's a computer, it's a computer box. And so we like lose our minds and we're going through the house, we're jumping up and down like girls, like, oh my gosh, we got a computer. And we're running through the house, we're chest bumping each other, giving each other high fives, we're going crazy, running through the house. And all of a sudden we realize my mom and dad's jaws are on the floor. And I'm thinking, something is not right here. And so I look at the box closer and I realize the box looks lumpy. Like someone tried to shove something in the box that was too big for the box. And so I'm thinking, what is happening right now? And all of a sudden we open up the box and instead of finding a computer in the computer box, we find this right here. An electric typewriter is in the box. It's like the worst news ever to get on Christmas Day, Christmas morning as a little kid. You're thinking you're going to get a computer and you get one. Of, that, that thing was couldn't fit on this table. It was so big. And I remember my mom and dad were like, well, we just drove behind a store and found the first box we could that would fit this thing. And that's what it was. That thing never got used at our house. I mean, I don't even know how to work it. And so we did not get a computer that year. We did end up getting a computer. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, uh, but that was like the worst news ever to get on Christmas day is to think you're getting something else. And then you open the box and realize, it's an electric, it's not even a cool typewriter. Like it's an electric typewriter. And I sent this picture to my brother this week. I said, what do you think of when you see this picture? And he said, the biggest Christmas hoax of all time is, uh, is how he responded. So uh, that was some bad news. But in all seriousness, we've all received bad news. I know Stephanie and I, we've received our fair share of bad news. I remember uh, when I was 17, um, receiving the news that my best friend died in a car wreck on the way to school. And I'm, I could tell you, that's been, how many years has that been now? A lot. I'm, what, I don't I can't do math right now. But uh, it's been 17, something like years. It's been a long time. And I could tell you everything about that day. Because bad news has a way of like just searing into your brain. I remember I had a dentist appointment that day. And I remember I was sleeping in. It was, uh, it was school hadn't started yet. I was sleeping. I was going to go to the dentist. And my buddy kept calling me. And I'm like, Quit calling me, dude. It's early in the morning. And he told me, hey, Nathan got in a bad car wreck. You might want to go to the hospital. And I remember hearing like he had broken his legs. That's all I heard. And I remember driving down to Vanderbilt. I remember going across the little, you know, bridge that goes from the parking garage over to the emergency room. And I looked down and I saw my dad down there. 
And I'm like, that's weird. Why is my dad here? Nathan just broke his legs. Like, this isn't that big of a deal. And I remember getting down there and my dad telling me, like, he didn't make it. And I remember I had to go share that news with my friends that I drove there with. Bad news has a way of just sticking with you. I remember the first time Steph and I got pregnant. It was an awesome time. Maybe you've experienced this. We were so excited. We shared with my parents and her parents and got them like a onesie or, you know, surprised them. And I remember, um, you know, a few weeks later, I was at church on a Sunday. She hadn't gotten there yet. And she called me crying saying, I think I'm losing the baby. And I remember getting home and us just sitting there together praying, asking God that that wouldn't happen. And that ended up happening. And I remember that bad news of hearing the doctor go, it looks like you're having a miscarriage right now. I'll never forget that. We've all received bad news. We've all been there before where we hear something we don't want to hear before. Well, today I want to share with you good news. But before I can share with you good news, we have to appreciate the bad news. In order for us to appreciate the good news, we got to understand the bad news a little bit. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time. I told you you're going to leave encouraged. You are. But we got to go through the bad news first. You know how when people give you an opportunity, they're like, you want the good news or bad news first? Always take the bad news first, all right? To get it out of the way. I'm going to get it out of the way first because in order for us to truly get the good news, we have to truly understand the bad news. And I'm going to say some of this stuff, and here's the deal. You're not going to be surprised by some of this. I'm going to share with you this bad news, and you're not going to be shocked. I'm not going to give you anything groundbreaking, but you're, I want you to understand this maybe for the first time. You may have not heard this before. And I want to share with you a little bit it, why the bad news matters so that the good news can be that much better. Does that make sense? All right, so we're going to go through some bad news. The first thing that we have to understand about the bad news is this, is that the world is broken. Can somebody give me an amen in here? Come on, we all know you get on Facebook for five seconds and you're like, I got some messed up friends right now, right? Like they're posting some crazy stuff on here. You, you walk out here, go down Broadway for 15 minutes on a Friday night and you will see how broken the world is and how funny it is, right? Like so some of y'all are out last night at a Garth Brooks concert. World's a little broken. Come on, our sound guy was back there. <clears throat> I'm sorry I'm not as good as Garth Brooks, all right? But <clears throat> the world is a messed up place. Messed up things happen in this world. Like, it doesn't take us long to figure this out, right? Like, bad things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen when we don't, when we wish the opposite would happen, right? Like, people get in car wrecks. Divorces happen. Parents leave their kids, right? Like uh, kids get sick. Sometimes we get cancer. Sometimes things happen that are out of our control. And it doesn't take us long to understand that the world is broken. It's messed up. Like it, messed up stuff happens. And there's something that goes on in your life. And you know this, there's something unsettled inside of you. That's because God put it there. You know that something is just not right. Something doesn't sit right with you. You see things that bother you and you go, why does it have to be that way? Why does this have to be this way? Like, why can't things be different? Well, that's, you think that because the world is broken. Even Jesus knew this fact. And he said this in John 16, he said, I've told you all this stuff so that you may have peace in me. Because here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So not only is the world broken, but because the world is broken, it breaks us. And Jesus is telling us, he's like, hey, listen, on earth, you're going to have some tough times because this place is not perfect. The world is broken. And so he was trying to be nice. He was trying to tell people like, hey, just to give you a heads up here, 
You're gonna face some stuff in your life. Why? Because the world's broken and because the world's broken, it breaks you. That's why you make mistakes. That's why you don't make the right decisions every time. That's why you fail sometimes. That's why you can't quite get it all together at times. It's because the world's broken. So that's the first bit of bad news. The world's broken, but that's not news, right? Here's some second bit of bad news is that this, the world's broken and guess what? It's your fault and it's my fault. It's all of our faults. Welcome to church, everybody, okay? The world's broken and it's our fault, all right? And I'm with you. I'm not saying it's your fault. It's my fault too. It's our fault that the world is broken. You see, when God created the world, it was perfect. The Bible talks about this perfect place where Adam and Eve, the very first people ever created, they lived. It was perfect. But God gave us something. It's called a free will, which means he's not gonna force you to love him. That's not what real love is. That's you being a robot. God didn't make robots, he made humans. Humans have a choice. And so he gave us the opportunity to live in this perfect world and to create and to, to do these things. And it didn't take us very long to screw that up. And so what happened is a sneaky little snake comes in the garden and Adam and Eve were sitting by the apple tree, right? We don't, whatever fruit it was, I don't know what it was. And the snake says, hey, you should eat that apple. And all of a sudden they ate this apple. And guess what? From that moment on, we broke this perfect world that God created. It's called sin. And I know that's a churchy word and we might roll our eyes at that word, but sin is just you making the wrong decision. And the Bible says that every person in here is guilty of it. It says this in Romans 3.23, that everyone has sinned. Sin is what makes the world broken. And guess what? We're all guilty of it. Everyone has sinned. And we fall short of God's standard because of this sin. So we have done this thing that has broken the world. And now I'm not saying that every bad thing that has ever happened to you is your fault, okay? There's some stuff that happens to you that's out of your control, that's not your fault, but ultimately it's because of the sin issue that humans have that makes the world broken. And the Bible talks about that that sin, it, it makes us fall short of God's standard. And the Bible also teaches that the, that the consequences of that sin is death. And so, man, we got, to, we got this perfect world a long time ago. It got screwed up because of sin, and now we have a sin problem, and that sin problem is separating us from God. And guess what? The consequences for that sin problem are, is death. So that means our bodies, they physically die. That means our bodies spiritually die. When we, when we actually breathe our last breath on earth, man, if you don't know Jesus, that means that you're gonna spiritually die as well. That's what sin does. That's the consequences of sin in your life. So the world's broken. It's our fault. And the last thing is this, welcome to church. There's nothing that we can do about it. I hate to tell you that, like, but there's nothing that we can do about it. In fact, uh, we always try to do something about it, but there's really nothing that we can do about it. And that's a really hard thing for us to understand sometimes because we want to try to fix the brokenness in our lives. We see that the world's broken. We see that our life is broken. We even know that we have a part to play in it sometimes and we try to fix it all the time and we never can do it. So what, what do we do? We try to maybe, okay, if I know the right person, then maybe my life will feel better. So what, what do we do? We start dating people. We marry the wrong person. Uh, we get married to a person. And we think, man, this is gonna fix the brokenness that I have in my life. And guess what? How long does it take you to realize that marriage only magnifies problems in your life? Come on, am I preaching to anyone else? Our first year of marriage was terrible because we just fought all the time. Why? Because marriage doesn't fix anything. Some of us think, man, if I could just get that promotion, 
If I could just get that job, make, not, you don't have a number in your mind, but if you could just make a little bit more. Like if I could just make a little bit more money, my life problems will be solved. If I could just sell a little bit more, if I could just have that title, then I could have more vacation. And then I could, all, and then all of a sudden you're chasing after these things like a bank account, you're chasing after a job and you think that's gonna fix your brokenness problem. But guess what? It's you left right where you started because more mo money, more problems. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know the song. It's true. You got more money, you got more problems. And that just, and money also magnifies brokenness. It's already there. It doesn't fix anything. For some of you, it's just stuff. If I could have the house, if I could have the boats, if I could have the car, if I could have this, if I could have that, if I could look like I have it all together, maybe it'll work. But guess what? That doesn't fix brokenness either. Like we try to think that we can fix this brokenness. Maybe if I just give enough money to charities, maybe if I just come to church enough times, I'll look like I have it all together. But in reality, none of this stuff can really fix your brokenness. Why? Because you don't need to be fixed. You need to be saved. So like brokenness is, is the problem, but being fixed is not the, the solution. Being saved is the solution. The Bible calls that salvation. Y'all say salvation. That's why we say, oh, have you gotten saved today, brother? Right? Like that's what that means. It's because you have to be saved. You have to be rescued from your brokenness. You can't just fix yourself. You have to be rescued from it. You have to be saved from it. You have to have experienced salvation. The Bible actually says this, that you can't even earn it if you wanted to. It says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for any of this. It's a gift. Y'all say gift. It's a gift from God. Listen to this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. Some of us have made salvation into this. We've made fixing our brokenness into just being a good person. If I could just be a good person, if I could just do the right things, if I could just have the right things, I will get to go to heaven when I die. This is telling you, no, you will not. You can't earn your salvation. You can't do enough good things to bridge that gap between you and God whenever you broke it, whenever you sinned into the world. You can't do it, it's impossible. But so much of our life is about trying to solve this problem. And we always come up wanting more. How come, like I, I'm trying to do, like how come my marriage isn't making me feel better? How come I still am struggling with depression, anxiety? How come I'm still feeling this way? How come I'm still battling these same addictions? How come I still have these bad habits that I wanna kick? How come my marriage is still struggling? Well, it's, it might be because you've been trying to fix your brokenness with the wrong thing. You're trying to find the living among the dead just like we talked about a second ago. And you know what? The people in the Easter story in the Bible, they know what bad news feels like. They experience bad news more than you think. And I want you to put yourself in the position of one of the disciples, all right? If you don't know, Jesus had 12 people that followed him around for three and a half years. And they did everything with Jesus. They were his like right hand men, right? They did everything. They would help him. They would help pay for things. They would watch after people. They were like his little assistants, all right? And they followed him. They did everything that, that Jesus asked them to do. And these disciples left everything. They left their jobs. They left their careers. They left their families. They left their friends and they left their hometowns and they followed Jesus wherever he went. And so they got to experience Jesus doing a lot of good news stuff. 
Like they saw Jesus. They were right there when Jesus touched a blind man's eyes and this guy that was born blind could all of a sudden see again. They were, they were there, like this close to that happening. They were there when Jesus healed the man that couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. He was completely paralyzed from the waist down. Couldn't walk. His legs didn't work. The Bible says that he had like little legs. And whenever Jesus said, get up and walk, they saw their legs strengthen. And this guy got up to walk for the very first time in his life. They were there when Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little Chick-fil-A sack lunch from a little boy, right? Like they were there when Lazarus had been dead for four days sitting in a tomb. And Jesus said, come forth and raise Lazarus from the dead. They were there whenever the the woman touched the hem of Jesus's robe and had the issue of bleeding resolved in her body after 12 years. They were there for all the good news. They were there when Jesus turned the water into wine. They were there through it all. They saw Jesus love people that were unlovable. They saw Jesus impact people that like no one else could get through to. And they saw all the good news that Jesus did, all of it until one night, Jesus says, hey, let's go get dinner. And so they go have dinner and they're in the upper room of this place and Jesus breaks bread and he, he pours the wine and he's saying all this weird stuff and the disciples are like, dude, you're acting crazy right now. And Jesus started saying, well, I'm gonna die, but in three days, the temple is gonna get rebuilt. And they're like, what in the world? This dude's high right now, right? Like, it's crazy. And he starts saying all this crazy stuff and all of a sudden they start to see Jesus. He's starting to change. They've been with him for three and a half years and he's been happy and he's been joyful and he's been the perfect person. But now they're starting to notice that he's starting to get down a little. He's starting to get stressed. Like he's it's just a different look in his eyes. And he looks at his three closest friends and the disciples. There were three of them. And he said, hey, will y'all just come with me? I just, I need to go pray. So they peel off from the rest of the group. They go to a garden that they've been to a bunch. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden, Jesus starts to pray and he leaves the three that he took there and then he goes and prays and Jesus is battling out with God in that moment. And all of a sudden, while he's praying, they see a mob come up. These people got torches and they got weapons. There's a big group of them and all of a sudden, this mob approaches Jesus. And they, they look at Jesus and they say, he's the one. Judas, one of the disciples, betrays Jesus and says, this is the one. And that mob arrests Jesus. And all of a sudden, this man, Jesus, who was supposed to rebuild a kingdom on earth, he was supposed to establish a new way. He was, they thought that he was literally gonna overthrow the government and they were gonna be like the top officials in the government. And they were gonna be the boys that he rolled with the whole way there. And they were gonna be rich and they were gonna live in the palace and do all this stuff. That's why they've been following Jesus around. And all of a sudden, this guy gets arrested. That's supposed to do all that. Well, then they freak out and they scatter and they're afraid that they're going to be next. They're afraid that they're going to get arrested and they're going to die. And from a distance, they see Jesus get put on trial. And while he's put on trial, they sentence him to death. But before they sentence him to death, they say, hey, why don't you beat him 39 times with a whip? So they take him and the disciples are watching this and they're watching Jesus, the one that they left everything to go follow is now getting beaten. He's not even putting up a fight. He's not even trying to defend himself. And then they see them strap a cross onto Jesus's back and they make him after he'd been whipped 39 times within an inch of his life, they make him carry this cross all the way up to the hill where he would be executed. And they nail his hands and feet to the cross. He sits up there for hours, just slowly suffocating, bleeding, suffocating, humiliated, And the disciples are watching this from a distance. And all of a sudden, Jesus shouts something. He says, it is finished. And he breathes his last breath and he dies right there. 
And in that moment, the disciples knew what it was like to feel bad news, to get bad news, because to them, it was over. They'd wasted their whole life. They left everything to go follow this guy. Now he's dead. I mean, he looked weak. They had seen Jesus be so powerful, but he just looked so weak. And that was bad news to them. They know how it feels to have bad news. But let me tell you, in the midst of the bad news that they thought they were receiving, God was getting ready to deliver the best news of all time. And so I want to give you some good news today. Y'all ready for some good news today? Come on. I'm ready for some good news. Here we go. Here's some good news. The Bible is actually full of good news. I don't know what you feel when you read the Bible. Maybe you feel convicted because it's like, man, this is just a bunch of rules of what I can't do. No, no, no. The Bible is actually full of good news. There's 156 verses in the whole Bible that have the words good news in it. And about 80% of them happen in the New Testament. So from when Jesus was alive up until the revelation in the end, good news is a theme of the New New Testament. What does good news mean? It also, another word for good news is gospel. You ever heard that word before? Gospel means good news. And so when the Bible talks about when Jesus was teaching, it always says Jesus was teaching the good news. Jesus was teaching the good news about his kingdom. Jesus was teaching the good news. It says this over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible. Why? Because what Jesus has to offer you is good news. And so I want to remind you the bad news first. All right, put it up real quick. World's broken, it's our fault, there's nothing we can do about it, all right? But the good news is this, read this. Jesus saw our problem. He saw that the world's broken, and so he did this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, they won't perish, but they'll actually have eternal life. So God looked and he saw that the world was broken beyond repair. And so what did God decide to do? I'm gonna give them some good news. I'm gonna give him Jesus. And so God gave everything that he had and he gave Jesus to us. That's what he did. He saw our problem and he goes, they can't fix this problem, but I can fix this problem. And so what did he do? He gave Jesus to us. But not only that, it says this in Romans 5, 8, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So even though sin is the problem that's our fault, sin is not God's fault, sin is our fault. Even though it's our fault, he knew that there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. He knew that the brokenness was too far gone for us to do anything about it. So what did he do? He met you right where you were. He said, I'm not expecting them to clean up their act. I'm not expecting them to try to fix their lives first. I'm gonna meet them exactly where they are. I'm gonna meet them in their brokenness. I'm gonna meet them right now, right where they need me the most. I'm not gonna expect anything from them. I'm only gonna give something to them. Y'all, you have to understand, you don't have to get your life right before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he makes your life right. So don't feel like you gotta clean up that bad habit or that addiction. Don't feel like you gotta have it all figured out. Don't feel like your marriage has to be perfect. No, no, no. Let God meet you right there because even while you were still sinning, even when you were doing the thing that was causing all this brokenness in the world, he died for you. That's how he proved his love for you. He, Jesus loves you more than anything. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you no matter what the past of your life looks like. He loves you. And he loves you just the way that you are. He actually loves you more in this moment than he did a second ago. That's who he is. And that's the good news of Easter. 
Because Jesus could have done all these miracles. He could have done all these good things. He could have seen the dead rise from the, uh, he could have seen the dead rise again. He could have fed the 5,000. He could have done all this stuff. But if he would have died on Good Friday and never came back to life on Easter, none of this matters. But the resurrection proves that God is who he says he is. And if God can resurrect Jesus, he can resurrect anything in your life. And you have to under, that's the best news. That's the good news of Easter right there is that because of what Jesus did, because of him coming back to life, he can resurrect anything in your life, no matter how dead it feels. And that includes your soul, that includes your marriage, that includes your mind, that includes your finances, that includes your kids, that includes everything. Because of the resurrection, you can find resurrection today. But we have to accept the gift that Jesus is giving us. And that's the whole point of Easter. That's why we love Easter at the church. Not just this church, every church around here is hopping today. Why? Because the East, Easter matters. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. And Jesus wants to offer you a fresh start today, right now. He wants to offer you a fresh start. And I'm telling you, if he can resurrect Jesus, he can resurrect anything in your life. And that is good news. It doesn't matter how bad the bad news is. That right there is good news. And you can receive that at any time. Here's what I want to do. I want us to chill for a second, all right? We're going to get out of here in less than 10 minutes. We'll be out of here. But I think God might be speaking to some of us today. So I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment, okay? We're just going to give space for God to talk to you. I think he's already been talking to you. I'm going to have the band join me on stage, okay? And maybe as I was talking today, you realize for the first time, or maybe not even for the first time, maybe you've thought about this for a while, but maybe this is your opportunity. Maybe it's time for you to start a relationship with Jesus and to receive the gift that he's giving you today. He wants to give you the good news today. All you have to do is receive it. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, we'll be saved. That's what is so easy. And I wanna give you that opportunity today to make that decision in your life. And so if you're in here and you say, Pastor Clint, I wanna make that decision to follow Jesus today. I wanna give you that opportunity. And on the count of three, even just, I promise you I'm the only one looking around. I want you to just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down, okay? Raise your hand, put it right back down on the count of three. If you want to make start a, or if you want to make the decision to start a relationship with Jesus, I want you to do that for me real quick. All right, one, two, three. Come on. Great. All right, you can put your hands down. If that was you, just in your heart, I want you to say this. Say, dear God, I receive the resurrection today. I invite you into my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for the promise of Easter. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand for those people that may have made that decision today. But we're not done, all right? We got two more things. First thing is this, is that maybe you came in and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're still like, Clint, there's something that feels dead in my life right now. There's something that just feels incomplete. It's just not quite there. You know what the Bible says? That if you're a believer in Jesus, 
the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. What does that mean? That means you can experience resurrection power with anything in your life at any moment. And some of us come in here and we're struggling. And here's the deal. This is a place where you can be honest and say, I am struggling. And guess what? That's okay. I struggle. My goodness, I, I, this week was a long week for me, all right? And I, I was struggling a little bit. I'm glad I'm here. And I'm glad that I can go to Jesus at any time and say, God, I need that resurrection power right now because this part of my life feels dead and I need you just to touch it today. Come on, Jesus wants to touch those areas in your life today that feel like they're dead and he wants you to experience the resurrection power again. So I'm gonna ask us just to stand on our feet in this place. We're gonna sing a song that we sang earlier, just a little bit of it. And I want you just to receive the resurrection power of Jesus today over your life, over your situation. And you may have walked in here feeling a little broken. You may have walked in here feeling like, man, I just feel like a failure. I can't quite be, I'm not happy. I can't get happy. I'm struggling with depression, anxiety. My marriage is struggling. My kids have walked away from God. Whatever it is, I want you to tap into that resurrection power today and go, God, no, 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 you can do anything. You can do anything, God. And so Jesus, I pray in this place, even right now, God, that we would be tapping into that resurrection power that's coursing through our veins today, God. We believe that because you were resurrected that we can be too. So Jesus, I ask that you just be famous in this place, God. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.